In today's episode, I interview Lovelda Vincenzi, MC, which means Master of Ceremony and Business Speaker Coach. And she is basically the woman to hire if you want to get on the stage and make money with it. I'm super, super happy to have you here, Lovelda. It's a treat to interview you today. Hello and welcome to the Successful, Sensitive and Intuitive Entrepreneur podcast. My name is Lydia Sophia Wilmsen and I am an intuitive success mentor for sensitive entrepreneurs. In this podcast, I speak about the challenges sensitive and intuitive entrepreneurs face. I offer you new perspectives and solutions as well as experiences of other entrepreneurs. Plus, I speak about my personal experience of being a highly sensitive person who has successfully built and scaled two businesses. All of that with the goal to make you and your business even more successful in your very unique and authentic way. Have fun and enjoy. Girl, I would miss it for the world. Uh -uh, not me. <laughs> I'm like, let's do this. Let's do this. And um, perhaps a little story before that. I um, was in a mastermind with Lovelda and she also worked with me or for me when I did my first masterminds. She helped me to create an amazing atmosphere and helped me with, with many things around it. So she she's just a very bubbly person, a very, yeah, a very amazing person. So I'm super happy to have you here. And I would love um, to start with my first question that you just give us a little bit of input on your story, who you are and what you do. Okay, so I'll give you the, the short version. Um, so I'm an MC moderator and host, which are kind of fancy words for saying I introduce people on stage and I interview them. Um, I'm also a podcaster. I have a podcast called the the Lavelle Show Women of Power podcast. And in doing those two roles, it kind of opened up an unexpected um, niche for me working with female business owners who want to create a speaking income stream. Because moderating and emceeing events, what I was noticing uh, was that I would sometimes be involved in what they what's creatively called a manal, which which is basically an all male panel, right? Ah. Um, and so I'd be doing these events, and I started to notice that the mix, uh, diversity mix, but in particular the the male the gender diversity mix was just a little bit off, dare I say. And um, the space I work in, I knew a lot of women in my network, at least, who kept telling me they're speakers and they're professional speakers. And so I thought, this is just ridiculous. Like, why are events, what is it with these higher level events that means that I'm not seeing a gender balance? Like, there's so many men being brought in to speak. Not that I have any problem with it, like, bring on the wisdom. But I just also think in terms of... Um, the the perspective that's shared and the impact it has, I just feel like if it's all coming from one point of view, then how can how can we be sharing the best value information? Because those life experiences are going to shape what's shared. Um, so I kind of went away to investigate it mm -hmm. and discovered um, this little known phenomenon that female speakers are just harder to find. And I thought, what a load of rubbish. Like how are women harder to find as speakers? Like what a load of nonsense. I genuinely, as organizer, I was hearing this like little whispers from organizers as I'm doing my research. I thought it was rubbish. So I went to investigate further. I thought, I know loads of speakers. What do you mean they're hard to find? I'm going to show you. Mm. <laughs> So I got, um, I started a Facebook group initially. I called it world-class female speakers because it needed a name and that sounded fancy. And the idea initially was just to get women together who were speakers and try and figure out what the heck was going on. Um, what it did though, is it validated that women are hard to find as speakers for two, a couple of reasons. The main two being really marketing and sales, to be honest, mm -hmm. in terms of positioning, marketing and selling themselves as speakers. And I kind of got to know this because I'd be posting things like, share your videos of you on stage. And I would, I would just get freaking crickets, right? I would just thought, what the heck? Or how, what's your best way of getting testimonials and crickets? Um, mm -hmm. And then as I started speaking to people, or I'd do like a little challenge and I'd be sharing what I did to grow my business in like 18 months. And I just thought people were like having revelations. And I was like, hold on a minute. Like, I don't feel like I'm sharing anything that revolutionary <laughs> right now. <laughs> but, but, but it is revolutionary when you just haven't thought of the industry in a 
in a particular sort of way or your experience of what the speaking yeah. industry is, is limited to um, personal development type conferences. You just may not have an understanding of what's out there. So, you know, people say to me, can you really make money from this? And I'm like, you know, you can charge like five figures for one hour of speaking. And they're like, what? I'm like, you can, it's, it, but it's not the same as how you're doing it right now. I can tell you this, this method, you can't, you do this, you cannot charge five figures for this, but you do, you know, this other thing, you absolutely can charge five figures for it. Um, so I then started coaching, doing speaking business coaching for female speakers, which is mm-hmm. very much around the business of speaking, what the industry looks like, what sectors you make money from, how you you become search engine optimized, what makes great video, how to market yourself, where to position yourself, all of that kind of stuff. So I host, moderate, and MC. I'm a podcaster, and I work with female speakers to build a viable speaking income stream is probably the, the simplest mm-hmm. way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that, Lovelda. And there is so much in it. And obviously many, many questions, and I already have like 20 questions I could ask, but <laughs> I think we have to see how far we get. Because, yeah, you said, I, and I know that it was this like, oh, why don't, why are women not being hosted on, on um, talks? Like there are so many women and you said, yeah, it starts with being visible or being out there. It's not just because I'm a woman, I'll be on a stage. Like you have to start market you in the right way and there is work to do. So perhaps the first question would be if someone, because we, I want to speak with you about those people who are starting out. Mm -hmm. And obviously also those who are a little bit further ahead. So those who start out and want to like want to include speaking, perhaps the first question would be, why would you add speaking to your business model? I mean, I, I'm biased, so I'd go, why not? Yeah, I am totally biased. So, um, look, business is communicating and, If I just take one business model, which would be using speaking to grow your business, not necessarily leading with it as a keynote speaker, but initially just using it to grow your business. Speaking is a marketing tool that you Mm -hmm. can use for your business. And it's a marketing tool where where people get themselves hung up, they're looking for a paid speaking engagement in the traditional sense of wanting a speaker fee, which Mm -hmm. is great. And I think wonderful, but it's a different business model. It's like being an actor in the movies versus being an actor on the theater. They're they're both acting, but how you secure a movie engagement, the audition process, what a director of a movie values is different to a director of a theater production, right? So if you're used to doing theater and you take a theater audition to the movies, you're not going to get the gig. (laughs) You're just not going to get it because it's a different dynamic. It's a different um, environment you're working in. There's cameras and crew and all of these other things to be aware of. They're not that interested in your ability to project to the back of the room, right? You've got a microphone on you. They're they're not interested in that. So Uh you kind of have to understand the dynamic that you're working within. Um, so there's nothing wrong with wanting a speaker fee, just understand it's a different process. But as a business owner, you have a few different marketing opportunities available to you. You can do social media marketing, which is a longer term strategy and, um, you get limited stats around what's working and what's what not working. You can pay for advertising, but if you're Mm -hmm. starting out as a speaker, you may also be starting out in business in general, and the funds may be limited right now. And there's so many people online at the point of this recording, because we're still in that digital, are we out of COVID situation at the moment, that the price of advertising has kind of gone up. Or you can get in front of people and build a relationship super quick because they get a sense of who you are as you deliver your expertise. They can ask questions and engage with you and your conversions tend to be faster. Mm -hmm. But It's a, you know, so for me, I kind of think, look, if I've got the ability, if somebody has my perfect audience and I've got the ability to rather than, um, drop social media posts in front of them and hope maybe they see them and, or put advertising in front of them, but I've got the ability to kind of be eyeball to eyeball with them in the traditional sense or on a a engage with them actively and live in the moment, whether that's online or in person, which of those mechanisms do you think is going to convert faster? Mm. (laughs) You know, business is about no like, and trust and you get there um, exponentially quicker 
if you can speak to your audience. Now you can do this one-to-one, one discovery call after another discovery call after another discovery call, or you can do one-to-many, which is let me get in front of a hundred of my ideal client, tell them what I'm about, display my expertise, make them an offer and convert. And to me, I look at that and I go, that's a paid speaking gig. If you didn't pay me to show up, it's fine by me because you curated the perfect for me audience, which has saved me so much time. And I just get to get in front of them and talk to them. Some people are great at written copy. Other people are naturally very good verbal communicators. And if you're a great verbal communicator and you're forcing yourself (laughs) to learn written communication in order to grow your business, you're just slowing yourself down and going against your natural Uh gifts. So if your gift yeah. is speaking, use it. That's my view. Yeah, well, I love that. And I love the differentiation, like speaking. There are like many different niches. And the one you mentioned of, it's not only about being paid, but actually converting those people. And then it can be even like a five or six figure fee, but it's not a fee. It's just the clients you secure from that. To um, me, I look at it as monetization. I think it's very... It's very limited. It's the same with like negotiating a contract. If you just look at the price, you're missing the the object of the exercise. You don't get the best negotiation of any sort of deal by just looking at one little factor. You get you get the best negotiation by being able to look at the full picture and go, where's the value? Yeah. And I think with speaking, if you just look at speaker fee, you're missing so many other opportunities to really build your profile, grow your impact, grow your audience. There are so many other opportunities there, which can also be monetized, by the way. It doesn't mean that you're not making money from it. The problem is you're only shooting for a speaker fee, but you don't understand what a speaker fee business model looks like. And your talk isn't designed to get you a speaker fee. That's that's not actually your business model. So you're running one business model wanting to get paid in a mechanism that you get paid, which is a different business model. It's not going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So what would be the steps? Again, we are speaking about those people who are just starting out and they mm-hmm. probably, they have this feeling, I love to talk. I do actually have some, some of those clients. Like I know people in my audience and I want to talk about the audience um, later on. So what are the steps if you're just starting out? Like, do you send random emails to someone who hosts a podcast or to someone who does a summit or like, what do you do? So I think with anything, you need to know what your objective is, you know, short-term objective and longer-term objective. So short-term, it may just be, I, I want to refine this. I've, I've got a piece of content. Um, I want to get in front of the right audience. That's a different objective to if you actually want to be a paid keynote speaker, which is a place to start too. It's just, you'd be doing things slightly differently. Mm-hmm. So if you're speaking to grow your business, which I think is most of your audience, yeah. um, I would start with, I always say start with the lowest hanging fruit. You know your content, so you don't need to spend ages sitting down and preparing a presentation. Go find, go find the people to speak to and then create the presentation because you it, it's, it's innate in you. You know your stuff. Um, and so I would sit and think, well, who do I know who's got an audience already? So whether it be podcast guests or Um, Facebook groups that you can, or owners of groups where you can go and say, look, I've got a really great piece of content that I think would be excellent for your audience. Do you mind if I share it? I've done loads of those over the lockdown period where with um, collaborations with owners of communities where they wanted to give their communities value. They know that those communities are looking for visibility. So they bring me in to come and talk about Lavalda, can you share this, that, and the other? Now, of course, every single one of my talks, like if you're not going to pay me, I'm going to ask you, is it okay if I, if I share something? <laughs> right? So your call to action whenever you're speaking and you're not getting a fee is absolutely key. It's, in fact, it's fundamental and it's critical. So if you are starting out, get very, very clear on what your call to actions are going to be. And it doesn't need to be the same one all the time. It It can shift depending on who you're speaking to, but ultimately the sorts of call to actions that you want is maybe a Facebook group for them to join, a lead magnet for them to download, an upcoming event that you've got going on or a course where you might want to give them a special fee. Maybe it's a free one-to-one consultation. It's just a few examples of things you could just take and run with immediately in terms of call to actions. Um, And then the other thing I absolutely encourage you to do when you're starting out is to think about the social proof you want to build such that you can build a brand that people will pay you to speak. Mm -hmm. 
because often what people forget is you are up against other people in your field who look more credible than you. Doesn't mean they are more credible, but I don't want to take chances. And the truth of the matter is your credibility sets a, an unconscious price tag in my head. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Get it. And, um, if we don't believe this, you literally just need to look at hotel websites, huh. right? You jump on mm-hmm. one website and depending on how they've done that, like if you get on a hotel website and they've got that photo of the concierge, you know, the one with the fancy hats mm-hmm. and then a red carpet on the outside and you see lots of gold leaf all over the place and, you know, they're talking literally just images. Mm-hmm. Immediately, immediately you just think expensive hotel. Yeah. You jump on another website and um, the photos are a little bit fuzzy and grainy and the design of the website looks like it's something from the 80s. You just immediately you're expecting the prices to be lower. Mm-hmm. And when they're not, you're put off because the two things don't match. Yeah, get that. So it, it's no different with speakers that if I jump on a website and nothing there um, aligns to the credibility of who you are and what you speak about and your expertise. And that this is something that is not new to you, but you've done often with testimonials, with maybe some video footage that I can see with some photographs, with something that your previous customers have done, you know, with some results that you've got for clients. I am, I may not be aware of it, but something Mm. is going to have me going, especially if you then start saying, Oh, I'm 10 K. I just think like, heck you are. (laughs) I just, I don't believe you. So the second thing I would say, if you're starting out is remember that if you want to make this a viable income stream, you need to collect the social proof. And that is equally as important to you, um, as everything else. So there is no point going in and just doing the gig and walking away from it. But what you want to start doing is thinking about, um, the person who booked you just going back to them afterwards as a matter of course and saying, Hey, what, I don't care if it's a Facebook group, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. They booked you to come and deliver your expertise and speak on a particular topic. And so I would, I would ask them for a testimonial. I would encourage people who've, you know, I'd get in touch with people who are really engaged, you know, during the course of the conversation and just send them a DM and say, how did you find it? Did you enjoy it? Do you mind doing me a review? If you want to make this an ongoing stream, then Firstly, get very clear on your call to actions so that in the immediate moment when you're doing your speaking engagements now, you can convert them. Um, And secondly, get very conscious about what else you can get from this engagement that's going to make it easier for you to command higher fees and get other Mm. engagements with with better, bigger quality audiences, etc. Lovelda, you almost sound German with this efficiency you're bringing to the table. <laughs> I can't help myself. I'm, I'd say to people I'm inherently lazy, but I, I don't say it as a negative thing because I, I don't like doing things that feel like work and I don't like yeah. doing the same thing seven or eight times. I've just got to streamline the heck out of everything that I do. So yeah, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, the, I'm the sort of person I'm like, my testimonials, my testimonial, it's a process. It's not even like, it's not hodgepodge. It's actually a system. If I do a speaking engagement, my team know there's like five or six activities that are going to have to, I say five or six, it's probably a lot more than that. I haven't counted them in a while. Mm. That happened before, during and after the event that happened like clockwork every single time that are templated. (laughs) Super good. Super good. Why am I going to make it harder for myself? You know, like I said, if you're building an income stream from speaking, it's a business and you have to think of it like a business, not a side gig. And when you do, businesses have processes and systems and templates. Mm. Mm. I love that. And um, perhaps even though we had COVID and all of that, um, the switch between, because now we also spoke or spoke about the the um, the online world. Mm-hmm. And I think a big gap or like mentally is for people to also then think to speak offline, like on a proper stage. Is there really a difference also in the process of how to secure those? And obviously in speaking, or would you say same, same? Securing them is the same. The, the delivery is different. Um, Either way, you're connecting with somebody, demonstrating value and going through a sales process with them. Either way. There may be some nuances in terms of um, the questions that you'd ask would be a little bit different. Uh, You're not going to ask 
you know, about microphones and, you know, and lunch and that sort of stuff if you're doing a digital event. Uh, but you would be asking questions around travel and who's responsible for various different things if it's offline. If it's, um, if it's offline, if it's online, you'd be asking more questions around the technicalities and the systems that they're using and those sorts of things so that you're very clear on how that flow is going to work and who your points of contact are if you have any technical difficulties. So the process itself is the same. It's the nuances in terms of the questioning that you'd ask and and the things that become important, right? What you would highlight for a physical event versus what you'd highlight for an offline event. And Mm -hmm. again, it comes down to who your audience is. And by audience, I mean, who books you. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Cause often when I say you're speaking niche, especially for people in who've got businesses, they think of, Oh yeah, I know who my niche is. And I'm like, if you know who your niche is, who is the person in the company that books you? What type of conference, what role are they in? What are their pain points? Why do they book you? And yeah. if you haven't got the answers to those questions, then you don't know your speaking niche. Okay. Good one. Good differentiation. It's different to the other audience, right? And the problem that speakers have with booking is um, speaking to the wrong audience. So I know who my talk is for and I know the results that they get for them, but that's not the, you've got to get past the the person who's going to book you first. So you need to know who they are and what their pain points are. And so for different industries, they will have different concerns and challenges around the online space that you should be addressing when you approach them. For some mm-hmm. people or some sectors, it might be around engagement um, or, you know, it's a busy environment. So how, and when you understand the context that you're speaking into and the challenges that those individuals have, then the structure and what the benefits are would kind of shift a little bit for what you mm. might um, highlight for an online event versus an offline event. And I would say you, you may, in some sectors, you may need to address that more than others. Some sectors are much more used to doing stuff online and others have, you know, this is mm-hmm. all new to them. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So there's different things that are going to sell to them. So process mm-hmm. is the same. The details in terms of what the benefits are, uh, the questions that you'd ask, et cetera, will, will vary between the two. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, makes sense. And you said in the beginning, like speaking is for people who have, like, who love to communicate verbally, probably more than written and all of that. And um, yeah, there, are, I think there are a lot of those people out there, but still some of them, like, it is not so normal to speak in front of an audience instead of just hiding behind the screen and writing. So yeah, do you have to be an amazing speaker already to start out into speaking business? Look, did you have to be amazing at social media in order to start doing social media? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. you started a business, you needed to promote yourself. You know, you may not have had a freaking Twitter account or Instagram or even knew how those things operate or you had it, but you only ever used it personally to update friends and family. You start somewhere, you make a decision Mm -hmm. and you say, this is what's important for my business for whatever reasons it is that you, so you're very clear on why you've picked the mechanism. And as women in particular, we need to be less attached to things being perfect immediately because it's exactly that that stops us making progress, which is why you would sit back and watch somebody else who fumbled through start. I mean, I learned this lesson deeply with my my husband dear and two minutes later it's freaking done like I would he would come and have a conversation with me and he'd be like, oh babe, you know I'm thinking of doing da 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 literally 10 minutes later it's booked it's sorted he's done it like it's mm-hmm. happened I'll speak to my girlfriends oh I'm thinking about mm, you know and then so I started doing the research and then but you know what I need to do is I need to get this that and the other in place first by the time they even get to start he's moved on to project 25 <laughs> I love that <laughs> right the difference is um you know, it doesn't matter what decision you make, just make a decision and move on. Yeah. <laughs> like, say the yes or say the no and whatever you decide, just get on with it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, one of my favorite people I quote, I don't even remember who it was. I just remember being at this conference and, um, I remember the, the person on the stage saying, just make a decision and then make it the right decision. And that's always stuck with me Mm. because we're looking to make the right decision. 
And there's a difference between making a decision and then being so committed to it that you just make it the right decision. You make it be the right decision. You're just kind of like, I'm doing this. You know, you don't have a baby and then make it a bad decision. You've had them, they're here. Like you just make it work. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like you just, you figure it out. Uh You can't, there's no return to sender. Like (laughs) you just, you just figure it out. And when you can have that same commitment to your business, which is what I said, I was going to do speaking engagements. So I'm doing speaking engagements. One's shown up. I don't know how the hell heck it's going to work. Who do I know? Let me pick up the phone. Let me ask a few questions, but it's, it's getting to that space where you don't need to be perfect, but if it's something that resonates for you, you do need to start. And the best time to start is pretty much always now because you get the results now you start yeah. in 10 years, you start getting the results in 10 years time. You've lost 10 years, which yeah. you could be making something happen. It doesn't matter how big it is. One speaking engagement, a chat to a friend, do one little podcast, like something that puts some momentum behind something. Otherwise you are kind of telling the universe you want something, then it's sending it to you and you're giving it a slap in the face and saying, nah, I don't know. You know, I changed my mind. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love that because I think this is like, yeah. Okay. Once you have like, started with your business it's going and then comes more like the next step I think it's like that with business uh, with speaking as a business it's for many like it's more ah now let's go out there and be even more visible and that's such a big question especially as you said for women this self-doubt and this like oh can I do that and I need to be perfect and yeah to say like yeah start now that's it. And then you get better, basically. I find it quite helpful to sometimes just set myself like, what if I were to play the game of, like, what if I were to play the game of, I speak in front of audiences of 10,000, like, what would that look like? How would I be? Who would I act like? What would I say? How would I show up? Would I really be that scared of responding to this email? Like if I'm, if I'm seriously saying, you know, and it's a different way of thinking of a vision because a vision Mm -hmm. is one day I would like to, Mm. it's it's kind of outside of you, but like, let me play the game of I'm speaking on 10,000 stages. I'm speaking on stages with audiences of 10,000 in five years. Let me play that game. Well, it's a different energy because now for me, it, at least it gives me a, a stronger sense of accountability and a sense of urgency. Mm. That's like, if I'm playing this game, not let me visualize it. Let me play mm. the game. Let me actively be in the process of creating X. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I say, I share that because it may be something that's quite helpful for people in terms of a, a little mindset shift. Like, why don't you just play the game of I'm a professional public speaker just for a year and just see, mm-hmm. just, just see be that person for a year, <laughs> right? Yeah. Get to know whether you like it, you don't like it, or, or um, if it's for you or it's not for you, you may just surprise yourself, you know, rather than mm-hmm. what if it doesn't work? What if it does? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good question. What if it does? We are so, or many people are so bound on negative scenarios, like worst case scenario. What actually with the best case scenario? Yeah. yeah. What if it did? What mm-hmm. if you could? Like, mm-hmm. Just the, just switch it to the, the positive forward thinking vision mm-hmm. that you want and, and see if that helps to kind of shift your energy around it. It yeah. may not shift the fear, but it may shift your energy to get past the fear. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Um, many of my uh, part, like of my my audience, there are more like the introverted kind of people. Do you mm-hmm. have anything to say about that? Because they are not, or they at least don't see themselves as the entertaining, bubbly people on stage. It's more like, oh, I'm going to stand there and talk, and everyone will be bored, even though it's amazing content. Do you have anything to some mindset shifts around that, or some thoughts around that? Oh, Lord, yes. Um, and I think of it, if we take introversion and replace it with like any sort of glass ceiling, it's only like, I can't charge 10,000 for a speaker fee. What if you could, mm-hmm. what does you charging a 10,000 speaker fee look like? You know, what if you could, um, people think I am this crazy extrovert. I'm not, I actually hate large crowds of people if I'm not on a stage, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's an entertaining scenario of let's send LaValda and just dump her in a room of like 10,000 people, or there's this party and there's a rave and there's loads of people, I don't like that space. I really don't, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? You know, for my social time, I prefer smaller intimate groups. That's what's nice for me. I like, Mm -hmm. I get energy from being in front of and sharing and impacting lots of people because that's my vision. But 
socially, if you invite me to a group and you tell me it's got like a thousand people, that is the one thing that's going to put me off from going. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to have the desired effect of, mm-hmm. unless you're saying there's like a thousand people here, the Valdez, and they're all your ideal client and you can speak on the stage. Outside of that, there's a thousand people for you to hear, to network with. I'm like, no, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm kind of like, what is it in you that thinks that speaking is for extroverts. Like, that's what I want to understand. Why do you uh-huh. think speaking is for extroverts? Why do you think there's only one way to speak? It's like saying there's only one way to sell. The selling uh-huh. process is that you get on a call with somebody and you push your services down them. But actually, some people do most of their sales through very subtle social media marketing. Some uh-huh. people do most of their sales through referrals. There are different ways of doing it. You've just got to own your own style. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And when you own your own style and you do it your way versus the way you think it needs to be such that people are going to like and accept you <laughs> and you see it with people when they get in front of a camera. Um, and sometimes it's the opposite. Like sometimes the extrovert also does it, right? The extrovert is like, yay, all excited. You put a camera in front of them, you put them on stage and they suddenly go, Hi. because now I have to be professional and speak in my best voice. Because when Mm -hmm. I speak like this, now you're going to take me seriously, but it's not you. Mm. It's not you. It's not who you are. It's inauthentic. And the most, the best thing you can do is be the most authentic version of yourself, because that's what's going to resonate with the most people in the audience. It's got Mm. nothing to do with whether you're introverted, extroverted, loud, quiet, a storyteller, a dancer, somebody who stands in one spot or moves all over the stage. Mm. provided what you're doing is actually authentically who you are. Mm. I love that. Mm. Because people are going to feel your energy. And if what they feel and what they see don't correlate, then that's normally when you see somebody, you go, I can't connect. You know, just watch something like Americans Got Talent or Britain's Got Talent, any of those Got Talent shows. And you'll you'll see the difference between somebody who comes on stage and you're just like, oh my gosh, I just, I love you. Like, I love your energy. I love what you're about. And those ones where it feels like a show. Mm. They've gone through the motions. Like technically it was all fine, but there's nothing. It's Mm. like, I'm feeling nothing as a result of it. Mm. And the reason is they weren't there. They weren't open. They weren't available. Mm. They were going through the motions. And if you're going through the motions such that you can be the person you think people need you to be such that they're going to like and know and trust you and all that kind of stuff, you're on the wrong path. Because I don't know about you, but I would rather somebody doesn't buy from me because they don't like me. than Mm. not buy from me because they don't like the person I've purported to be that I thought was going to help them to purchase. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which sounds like, because people are like, oh, but it's because they don't like me. I'm like, no, don't like me. Because at least I know the reason you haven't bought is because we're not a good fit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right? Not that you didn't like the version of me I put out there who isn't me. (laughs) (laughs) You just Mm -hmm. didn't want to buy from her. I don't want to buy from her either. I don't even know her. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, yeah, I love that. Mm, and I remember us talking about that already. And I think like with one of my previous masterminds and there was a woman in there who was like basically like a female Eckhart Tolle. So she she didn't speak at all, like two words or something. And her biggest mm. fear was really like, what if I just stand there and I don't talk enough? And it was like, yeah, look at that person. He fills like huge like crowds with like 50,000 people and she just sits there for five minutes. And like, the energy in the room is intense. So yeah, that's you that. saying that not talking, I would encourage you. I've been watching America's Got Talent on Netflix and there's this episode <laughs> I watched, no word of a lie. This guy did an audition, karaoke audition. And he said, he didn't even sing. He said three words in the full freaking two minutes. And he had the audience on their feet. And the three were, it wasn't even three different words. It was one word three times. That was it, right? So he gets on the stage. I'll describe it, but go Mm -hmm. and search this, right? He gets on the stage and he's like, I'm going to do a karaoke audition, which Simon Cowell is like, oh my gosh, I hate karaoke. So he's kind of out. And he switches on the karaoke machine and it starts going, uh, the music starts playing. Dun, 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 dun. 
Now the audience is already up because they're like, frick, this is nice. The man is saying nothing. You just see loading, like a loading bar appearing on the screen. And he's just stood there, eyes glazed over, looking around like, what the frick is going on? Not saying a thing. And then he goes, and then he goes, tequila. And then he goes, and loading comes up again. He literally just said tequila three times. The whole freaking audition. People were on their feet. They had standing ovations. So don't think it's about how many words you say. It's not volume. I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? He came and he entertained in a way that was authentically him. Yeah. Right? And it was funny as heck. Like, it was funny. And I sat there and I just thought, what the hell? He said three words and they weren't even different. It was like the same word three times in two minutes. <laughs> And apart from that, he literally literally stood on the stage looking dazed and confused. For most people, that is the epitome of like, I don't want to go on the stage and look like I don't know what I'm doing and forget my words. He said three words and he looked like he didn't know what the frick he was doing for two minutes in front of an audience of 4,000 people and had a standing ovation. And they said, we can't wait to see what you're going to do next. (laughs) (laughs) So it's... (laughs) So it's got nothing to do with the number of words. I do encourage people to question those beliefs. Why do I think I need to be extroverted? Why do I think I need to say a lot? Why do I think I need to move around a lot? You don't need to Mm -hmm. because not everybody relates to the person who's loud and who jumps up and down. Even Mm. like if you think of the the biggest names out there, not everybody loves them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Not everybody is a fan of Gary Vee. Not everybody is a fan of Les Brown. Some people don't like them. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm and at the, the same time, yeah. the other way around as well, you'll get people who are a little bit more reserved, maybe slower, slower paced, slower speaking. Um, and there'll be people who absolutely love that. Yeah. But let them love you for you. And then the other thing is your speaking gigs are so much easier when you don't have to pretend to be somebody else. Oh my gosh, it's exhausting. <laughs> Yeah, I have to write this down. Let them love you for you. Mm. Beautiful. Lovella, yeah, that I, will be your quote. I have this thing. <laughs> I don't like to play games I can't win. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not that I don't like to play games that um, I don't like to play. Like, you know, there's certain games I'm just rubbish at. Like nine times out of ten, I just don't get it. And I'm so terrible that I just will not engage in the game. And because of that... One of the games I know I can always win is being me because ain't nobody else know how to be me any better than me. So because I don't like playing games, I can't win. (laughs) I'm really not going to win at Mm. trying to be Oprah. Like I just, nobody's going to do a better Oprah than Oprah. So let me just win at doing me. Yeah. I love that. And then it makes it every, it makes everything so much easier, you know, like for people who have like this idea of speaking, oh, that's crazy. I'm not the right person. I can't do that. They want someone different. All of that, you know, it makes it so much easier then to, yeah, to actually start in the game. Your unique selling point, like your USP is normally something that only you can do in the way you can do it because it's you. And and we spend ages looking for a USP and then trying to be like everybody else. It like blows my mind. <laughs> I'm like, I need something unique, but let me do everything the way everybody else does it. Well, you're kind of defeating the object of the exercise. For me, my tipping point when I truly fundamentally got this as a speaker, I remember the moment I was on the stage um, and I, I was at an event and we'd just come back after lunch And I'd said to the person on AV, can you put a song on for me, please? Because I feel like the audience is a bit low and I just don't want to have that moment. Now, um, I love dance, like Uh love dancing. I'm that person Uh that will just dance in my house sometimes just by myself, just for the fun of it. I I really just have a love Uh of music um, and theater and just all that kind of stuff. And so I, um, my friend put this song on because my friend was on AV and it was, um, it was Fireball by Pitbull. Um, and 
so the music goes off. Dun, 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 well, I'm on the stage in a freaking bubble of my own, forgetting what I'm supposed to be doing. So people are coming in. I'm like, come on in, ladies. Let's just shake it off. You know, I've got my eyes closed. My arms are in the air. You know, I'm going for it. And then I open my eyes and the crowd has formed this like circle, like people are holding hands and they're, they're kind of going all around the chairs. And I was like, what the hell just happened here? And all that happened that time round was I was just me. Prior to that, I used to come on and have to be the professional MC and blah, 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 blah. So I thought, what if I just embrace this? Mm. And people who hire me, hire me for my energy. Mm. Yeah. They don't hire me for the rest of this. I mean, they do. I'm professional and all that kind of stuff. But the tipping point is we love your energy. The one thing I was hiding away from was, oh, you can't be on stage and be crazy like that. You can't be on stage and be talking like that. You can't. Nah, this is who I am. I'm going to get on the stage and be like, hey, folks, how you doing? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, oh, and we love you for that, Lovelda. Yeah, perfect example. I think that's the thing we just need to remember. People love you for for everything, the stuff you don't have to work at doing. And if you work at undoing it, you actually make your job harder. Yeah. Oh, what a relief probably for so many people listening. Like I can just be me and be on stage and that's it. You got my permission. You don't need to undo anything that's (laughs) fundamentally you. In fact, I encourage you not to, because that'll be, that'll be your, uh, your magic sauce. Yeah. Your magic sauce. Super, super cool. Um, I have some more questions. We still have a little bit of time. Um, perhaps, Just some more tips you would give people and now not only those who are starting out, but also those. Oh, no, let's let's switch it. Like one question would be some more tips for people who want to start out in the game. Just whatever comes to your mind. And then I would also like to know a little bit more for those people who already do speaking and just want to increase that and bring in more money with that. Those would be two questions for you. So if you're starting out, get very like figure out your niche and figure out your objective first. And I do mean, especially if you have a business, what I said earlier on, your audience or your speaking niche is not your current target audience. That's part of it, but that's not your speaking niche. It just, it just isn't. They're completely different things. So that would be the first thing. Um, secondly, think of it like a business from as quickly as possible. Okay. Prioritize the testimonials, prioritize social proof, prioritize getting video footage and see your negotiation in terms of fee as the whole of that. The gig that put me on the map I didn't make a lot of money from. If I was just going for the money, I wouldn't be where I am right now. But it was my first international gig. They um, they had a really big audience and it was a great event. Like I just looked at the the video. I thought they're going to have a, they had an amazing photographer who was there as well. And so I thought, this is a marketing gig. And that's how you need to be thinking. This is a marketing gig. And I so I set up, I'm running two things concurrently. I need to go and moderate this event to the best of my freaking ability. Like I'm going to blow them out the park. That's always first and foremost. I'm going to go do a great job, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to go. I'm not, but I'm going to make this opportunity count such that every other gig I get after this is like a gazillion times easier, which means, and I'm not leaving stuff to chance. Yeah. They had a photographer and a videographer. I'm not leaving anything to chance. I brought my husband. It was video. I left with 11 video testimonials. <laughs> Video footage of me three days, you know, three days on stage, photographs. um, I had uh, two or three warm leads off the back of it immediately. That was worth it. All of that just by itself. If it had cost me money out of my pocket, it was worth it because those photos made it easier for me to get the next gig straight afterwards. Um, And that led to the Monica Lewinsky gig and so on and so forth. So do not do not just go in and think of this as a one-time thing. I just need you to think a lot broader if you want to make this an income stream such that you use every opportunity to make getting the next opportunity easier. So just get a little bit more strategic with it. Um, And if you've been doing this for a while, I would say the similar principles apply. If you've been doing this for ages and um, you, let's say you've been speaking on stages or you've been speaking for a while and you're not commanding the fee that you want, it's because your profile 
is not up to par. I can just Mm. tell you straight up. It either doesn't say what you do. It's unclear. You are making people work too doggone hard to figure out what you do and how you do it. And even if this stuff is coming from referrals, I haven't got a referral yet who hasn't looked, looked me up. So if you're not ranking for SEO or if your LinkedIn profile is old and tired and a bit tattery, if you don't have any photos, if you don't have video footage on there, if you don't have testimonials, say you have these things and they're on a dusty hard drive somewhere, sort it out, (laughs) fix it, right? Um, You should be periodically, and I would say at least twice a year, minimum updating your profile like reviewing it and saying, is this the most up-to-date stuff? For me, it's a minimum of twice a year and any time after a major gig. So when mm-hmm. I did an engagement, I interviewed Monica Lewinsky, as soon as that photo came in, it went everywhere. Update the website, update the, you know, my bio got updated because there's something about saying I introduced and interviewed Monica Lewinsky on a global stage that just accelerates the sales process. (laughs) It does. (laughs) Right. And so if you're sitting on these things like award winning and appeared on and blah, 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 and you are not leading with those things, you're making it harder for somebody to pick you because you, I can bet your bottom dollar somebody else in your industry is. Yeah. Yeah. Great. So get on it that that would be my advice. Like yeah. do not leave these things to chance, like really get on top of it and make sure it's speaking to your speaker niche, not your other one. Because yeah. if I land on your page and it just talks about coaching and consulting services and all of that sort of stuff, that's not what I'm looking for. So it's like if a friend recommends, if I'm looking for a plumber and somebody recommends a plumber to me and I get on the website and it talks about um, legal services, I'm kind of like, but you said this was a plumber. (laughs) What's wrong here? Yeah. Right. Now I have to work harder to kind of go, but my friend says there was a plumber. So now I've got to go dig and find contact details and see if I can, maybe it's a side something that they do. But now I'm questioning whether they're a good plumber because they're clearly a lawyer. Yeah. So is this a side thing? Am I taking a chance? Like, now I'm expecting the fee should be less because they're clearly a lawyer and not a plumber. So I'm not going to pay legal services prices for a plumber who isn't a plumber as far as the internet is concerned. And so when you start to think of it like that, you get to see where you may be doing yourself an injustice or disservice. Yeah, I love that. Lovella. Super, super cool. We briefly, when we spoke before, um, we briefly said something about, um, or I, I asked you the question about being a black woman and being on stage. Is this even more difficult? How is this, especially now after the Black Lives Matter movement? I would love some input from you um, on that topic. Sure. Uh, I mean, I think some people would think it was a sensitive topic. I don't. Fundamentally, mm. I don't see a difference. Um being black, being female, being on stages. Genuinely, when I'm there, I see zero difference at all. I may mm-hmm. be the only face, <laughs> but but in terms of the sales process and securing the engagements, zero difference. Like zero at all. Like none of that stuff matters. What I will say though is what has happened with um, or a a silver lining or an unintended consequence of the Black Lives Matter movement on the speaking industry is that organizers have been forced, not just organizers, organizations in general, are now really taking an inward look at what is my diversity mix within my organization. And so whilst Black Lives Matter is, you know, driven by Black Lives, actually it's it's inspiring a wider conversation about gender diversity, sexual orientation diversity, religious diversity, you know, diversity, ability diversity. Um, And people wanting to then say, well, hold on a minute. Are all of my podcast guests looking the same from the same background? Like, have I, have I mixed it up enough? Um, When we do our events, have we actually really gone out to look for people of different backgrounds? And so what's happening right now in the market space is that um, it's like a top-down effect because organizers and bookers are now 
actively looking, what's happening is the bureaus and those people who coordinate those spaces are now actively then getting requests that are saying, I am looking for a speaker that is disabled, that is from BAME background, which is black, ethnic, minority, something in the UK, but basically of, of an ethnic minority background. And so these requests are actively coming out now, which I personally think is brilliant because Mm -hmm. something needs to drive the demand to have more diversity. Mm -hmm. But it still means you've got work to do just because they're looking doesn't mean you're going to get found, right? Right? Regardless of who you are. So I think, you know, female, I mean, it sounds bad, but but if you are able to um, fulfill any of the the diversity backgrounds, not that you need to lead with it and say, Hey, I'm a black female speaker or whatever it is. Right. You don't necessarily need to lead with it, but you do have a unique opportunity right now. If you, if you happen to be of any sort of diverse background to get more bang for your buck in terms of visibility than you would have done historically, because because it's now not just, I'm looking for a speaker on X topic. It's I'm looking for a speaker on X topic, preferably one of these sorts of backgrounds or preferably one who, who is, is going to be different from the mix of people we typically have here. Mm. Um, and so it is creating that kind of space for, for people to, to step into, but you need to step in. They need to yeah. find you. Your profiles yeah. need to be SEO'd. They need to say that you speak. You need to be putting your best foot forward such that you can get these engagements. And those who wait and put a pin in it, the first ones out the gate are the ones who are going to build the relationships and hold on to the gigs for a longer period of time. And you're going to be fighting to take, you know, take that space, take that away from them. You're going to be fighting to get into a, a marketplace in which they're like, oh, we've already, we've already got that covered. Yeah. So I think it's um it's created a a beautiful space for voices um, and stories that aren't often told to be seen because actually I think it, it's not just Black Lives Matter. Actually, I think it's, it's, it's opened up to diversity and it's all, also opened up to sort of mental health conversations and some of the conversations that perhaps organizations and people were a little bit more reluctant to have, or they just weren't consciously thinking to mix them in amongst the other conversation they were having. So I think it's a great time for speakers who can mm. be found. Yeah, who <laughs> can be found. Little side note there. Yeah, I it's love always going to be my side note, the ones who can be found. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. That gave me goosebumps. That was super, super nice, Luella. And um, two more questions. Gosh, I find more and more. No, we are almost done. It's Do okay. It's good. I love these. <laughs> Do you have any, not even fancy stories, but any entertaining or interesting stories just either from from some of your clients who had some interesting experiences or perhaps also from you, like the one you shared where you just start dancing? Do you have like any more of that to share with me? Oh my gosh, I've got loads of them. It's like, which one do I pick? So I'll pick a few that I think might resonate. One of the stories... One of the commonalities I often see with women is, but I do so much. I have so many things that I do in my business, you see. So I've got this part of my business and I've got this other part of my business. And so, you know, I'm not just a leadership coach. I'm like a leadership coach that also does communication stuff. And then I help people with their confidence. You know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. What do I, you're telling me I have to niche the Velda. So what do I talk about? And here's the answer, because this is, I have a a very specific process I go through with people that helps them to kind of get to that space. I'm actually, I'm actually running it as a standalone program that's starting in October. I'm happy to kind of share the links to that. And I've got a little something I'm doing next week as well. I'm I'm showing you what to put in your profile and where the frick to put it. For example, just on day one, there's some other things being covered as well, but I can share both of those links. So here we go. It's, I do everything. I don't know why I talk like that when I do it. I know everything. (laughs) How do I niche? And the truth is you need to figure out what your overall expertise is that you want to be known for. It's not the talk. It's not the talk. It's this is my expertise. This is what I want to be known for. And that's what you lead with, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Which means in NLP terms, you chunk it up, right? Because... um, 
you then start to kind of hit people in a way that they kind of go, well, that makes sense. So I'll give you an example. I worked with a brilliant speaker. She's like a six-figure speaker, runs a six-figure speaking business, has for ages. She speaks internationally. And even she was like, I have these different topics. I don't know, like, which freaking one do I pick? And so when I went through this process with her, by the time we got to the end of it, she was really clear. So she said, look, I do, I do leadership. I do mindset. I do communication. Like, I don't know what my topic is. That was just three of the varying different topics that she spoke about. Um, but once we got to the bottom of the problem that she solves for organizations, actually what, she, what she's really, really good at is dealing with change management. That's what she's really good at. Like we're at X, we're about to move to Y. Holy crap, we need some help because the wheels are going to come off here, right? That is what she's really good at. And of course, if you were really, really good at that, you would have to have mastered communication skills, mindset, and leadership. <laughs> yeah. You'd have to have in the context of, of, of managing change, in the, con- in the context of navigating change. She is known for supporting organizations with navigating change. And in that context, she speaks about leadership. She speaks about communication. She speaks about mindset. She speaks about self-esteem because they all make sense Uh in the context of managing change. Yeah. The problem is you have no context. Because you have no context, it makes no sense. Right. So I am known for supporting women, authentic, powerful female voices. So I can speak about truth. I can speak about honesty and authenticity. I can speak about sales. I can speak about marketing. They all make sense for women who want to unleash their authentic, powerful voices because all of those components are very key in that space. Uh, uh. So if you are one of these people who wants to get into a speaking space and you're kind of like, you've been leading with the topic, you need to lead with your expertise. Uh, yeah. And then all the topics underneath it make sense. Then they're yeah. kind of serving suggestions because provided, provided the topic is aligned to the thing, your expertise, you'll talk about it. Uh, but if somebody asks me to come talk about the psychology of animals, frick, why? <laughs> that would actually be funny what Lovella has to say about that. <laughs> you know, that, that it's, it's not my thing. It's just, it's just not, it's not my lane, right? So you kind of need to define it differently. And when you understand that niche, then it becomes a lot easier for you to then kind of go, well, who's going to, who has that problem? Who's going to value that expertise? Where are they going to sit? And it helps, uh-huh. you know, that kind of thing helps with your speaking niche. So that would be one example of kind of cool things that I actually really love doing. Like I love taking people like, oh, it's all over the place and I'm kind of confused and I don't know what I talk about. I'm like, girl, come sit down. <laughs> have a coffee. Sit down. Sit down. We got this. So yeah, that I, I, I now have that in a, a two-month program I'm starting in October where I literally take people through that in a group context such that if that is, I mean, that's one of the many problems that we solve, but it does help you get to your speaking niche um, mm-hmm. and who your speaking audience is. But mm-hmm. yeah, that would be my, my one kind of cool sort of thing that I do with mm-hmm. clients. That's fun mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. And I obviously will include the link for the program or the two things you mentioned. And um, one more, like, do you have any, any other like funny story just to, to light up perhaps for those people who still think like, oh, I'm speaking for me and I'm scared, blah, blah, blah. Do you have any funny thing which happened on stage? Um, something like that. So when I introduced and interviewed Monica Lewinsky, Monica was doing no freaking interviews. It wasn't going to happen. I prepared anyway, because I, well, I had to, I was introducing her and I wanted to give her like a really awesome intro and I wanted it to not be generic and vanilla. So I, I went to dive and find something a little bit different about her and where she is now and what's going on. So I'd learned a lot of interesting things from her, from that kind of conversation, which naturally, cause I'm inquisitive. I'm like, Oh man, I could have asked her this, you know, <laughs> anyhow, I'm sat and, uh, there's a speaker on stage. We're about two or three hours out from when Monica's supposed to come on stage. I get a tap on the shoulder actually, Lavalda, um, Monica's changed her mind and she'll do like a quick, like 10 minute Q and A, but I understand like you're busy. And, and I was like, I'll take it. <laughs> First thing, always say yes and figure it out later. Like that's golden rule. Number one with me, just say yes. Like it'll be fine. Um, so they, they take me round the back in one of the breaks 
breaks because it's like a half hour break around the back to have a chat with her. And so I'm, they now leave me and Monica Lewinsky in this room together. And I'm doing my best not to like freak out. I'm like, oh my God, it's me, it's her, it's me, it's her, you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> but within about 10, five minutes, I kind of realized that she wasn't any different to anybody else in the sense that she was petrified of what the frick I was going to ask and is it going to be okay? And she was really nervous. Mm-hmm. Now, this is somebody who's not... Like she's been, she's an advocate now for cyberbullying, not an advocate, but she's out there as a, I can't, the words escape me, but she's anti-cyberbullying and she does a lot of stuff in that space. As a result of the experience that she had, I mean, she's very uniquely positioned (laughs) to be able to talk about cyberbullying and the impact that it has and laws and regulations and support networks to support people who are in those sort of spaces. But I share this because people often think when I get to X, it's going to feel different. And it might do, but sometimes it doesn't, (laughs) right? Sometimes it doesn't. Like people are shocked. Mm. If you come and see me five minutes before I go on stage, I'm a wreck. Don't talk to me. I'm pacing the room. I'm like, prick, I'm sweating like a beast. Like, Oh Lord, are they going to like me? Am I going to be okay? My husband's like, the volley, you'll be fine. Like, it's like this every, every time, every time, almost without fail. And it's, it's not the whole time. It's literally just the 10 or 15 minutes before we start. I can't speak to anybody. I'm freaking out. I'm just like, can we just start? My mouth is dry. Like it's a hot mess. Oh gosh. So, So I share this because it kind of doesn't matter. Like there's certain things for me, I now see it as this is just the excitement I have and it will be fine because I've been here before. When I get on the stage after about five minutes, I've eased into it. The audience is fine. They don't hate me. There's no booing and hissing. I don't No tomatoes are thrown at me. It's fine. You know, but don't, don't think I'm like wondering why I wore a white shirt and our tomatoes going to be flying at me before I get on that stage. Like I have those moments where I am freaking the heck out. I'm rereading my stuff. I'm, you know, I'm just like, okay, I can't like, you know, so, so I think it's just useful sometimes when you can hear that actually even people who've been in the game for a while, and I've been speaking on stages since I was 13 years old, like I'm not new to this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Monica Lewinsky is not new to an audience, right? She's not new to speaking on stages in front of thousands of people. So it wasn't the audience size. Um, it's not a new space for her to be in. She's done a lot of personal work on herself after the the chaos that was, you know, what what has us know her name. And yet in the city of Lithuania, which is not the biggest freaking country in the world, her and I are sat in a room and she's nervous. Hmm. Yeah. And 48 hours before that, I was stood at the stage and I was nervous. <laughs> Yeah. So it's normal normal. and it's not a reason not to proceed. It's just, it's your body excited for something new and different. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's actually a super cool story. Yeah, Lovelda. So any other last thoughts like this is now your, like you leaving the stage, anything else you want to share? Last thought. If I have a moment to share something that I think would be really helpful. Look, we have one shot. Um, we're one shot at this life. And, and the, the biggest thing I've been saying to people recently, and it's kind of become my new model. It used to be go big or go home. I've changed it now. Um, do less, go deep. Like really mm-hmm. think about, especially as women, we have a tendency to get ourselves entirely overwhelmed with like 1,500 different things. And actually, you don't need to do 1,500 different things. You just need to do one thing really incredibly well with total dedication and real focus. And when you can get to that spot that you just start saying no to the things that don't resonate, but go deeper. You don't need 1,500 different things with a launch. You can literally just pick one thing that you're going to do, but you do it. Like put your whole self behind it as if your life depended on it, but do less commit to less, say yes to less things. But the things you say yes to, give them a chance, you know, give them a year. Uh, I interviewed somebody on my podcast and she goes, anytime I take something new on, I, I give it 12 months to decide whether or not I keep it or leave it. 
Because that's 12 months of going, I actually worked this process and it doesn't work for me. Not two weeks. I don't know any other industry in which, um, like if we, were to, if we were to deal with our health and fitness, let's just say our fitness, the way many people approach business, we'd all be slobs. I'm not lying because the way people, our businesses, you know, we don't just all be slobs because we know that we can't start an exercise regime, do it for two weeks and lose 20 pounds. Mm. We know it doesn't work like that. Even if we did that exercise regime and added food to it, there is no healthy, sustainable way that we're going to lose 20 pounds in two weeks right? And the same is true of business. There is no healthy, sustainable way of business that happens in two weeks. Yeah. You might get a result in that two-week period. Like I'm not saying you can't lose 20 pounds in two weeks, but trust me, it ain't good. And you're not going to be able to continue that (laughs) for a long time, right? You will have taken your body in ways you shouldn't have taken it. And you don't need to be a health professional to know it is not a healthy way for you to lose weight. And there's healthy ways for you to grow your business, but it means being more patient and understanding the way that you would understand with your health, if I'm going to lose 20 pounds or if I want to get to the point where I'm looking slick and chiseled and all of that kind of stuff, I'm just going to have to do a few things consistently every day for six months, 12 months, a year, two years, three years. But once you've done it, it is permanent. Like it takes a lot for you to undo it because it's now just a habit. Stop the fads, pick something and go deep but stop the fads because, you know, if you've, if you've committed to an exercise regime, you might miss a couple of days, but what happens is you kind of go, shoot, I missed a few days and then you get back on it. So if you've committed to doing social media, you might miss a couple of days, but just remember if you do it the way you're supposed to do it consistently over a period of time, you'll get the results. You won't get the results if after three weeks, you're kind of like, it was working. I was good. It was slow. I didn't see any results. Sometimes it starts, the results are inwards before they come outwards, right? You know, you're, if it's a health, it's, your metabolism is changing and your bodies get, your muscles are waking up and getting used to things. And, and it takes a moment before they're able to go, okay, now we're really burning fat. Like we're cooking on gas now. Like we're good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Perfect. Example. So just apply, you know, apply those same sort of uh, principles, go for sustainability and long-term um, durability over quick wins. Because if all of your business is about quick wins, that'll be why you're not getting the long-term sustainability because you haven't put any long-term sustainable plans in place. That's the yo-yo diet. Come off it. It doesn't work. (laughs) Not good for you. Mm -mm. (laughs) Get rid of the yo-yo diet. Oh, Lavelle, that was actually lovely talking to you. I think I would have many more questions, but we leave the audience with over one hour now. I think that's the longest podcast um, interview I've done. Yay! I loved it. And for everyone in the audience, um, you will get the link to Lovelda and join her program. Like if you ever want to go on the stage or like offline, online, whatever, she's the woman I recommend to you full heartedly. Uh, Yeah, it was amazing having you here. Thank you so much, my dear. You are more than welcome. This was so much fun. (laughs) Yay! (laughs) More to come. Okay, speak to you soon. Did you like this podcast episode? Then I would be super, super grateful if you gave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. And please subscribe to the podcast and share it with people who you know can benefit from it. That is always extremely helpful. You can find all links to my social media profiles, my website and contact form in the show notes. And when you're interested in my new offer, which will take place in um, the second half of November, the 10-day group coaching program, then reach out to me if you have questions about if this is a right fit for you, if you want to know about pricing, be aware there is a 500 discount, euro discount right now from the 24th of September to the 1st of October. If you're interested in finding out more, send me a message via the link on my show notes. Thank you for listening and until the next episode, much love to you, Lydia. Lydia.